0: Hey Jason Fladlin here and I have the most powerful business question that you could ever ask yourself. At least I think so because every huge multi-million dollar windfall from, you know, the 10 million dollar affiliate promotion to the 60 million dollar product launch that we did, all of the, those big wins like that and anything and everything in between, they've all came down to the answer to this one business question. And interestingly enough, every failure I've had in my businesses, because I have a long list of them, and I'm pretty proud of them, every serious failure that could have been avoided and should have been avoided was because I neglected and ignored this question, the question I'm going to give you today. Now, the question is simple, but there's nuance to it. And that's the devil is in the details, it's in the nuance, but still. Better to have a target to aim at than to play blind archery, which is what a lot of you are doing these days in your business. You're just got a blindfold on, they're spinning you around and saying, go shoot the target. You don't even know where the target is. There might not even be a target. So here's your target. Here is the question. It goes like this: How can I put forth the least effort, take the least risk, and yet get the most exponential result? Least effort, least risk, most exponential result. Whew. All right. Why is this question so powerful? First of all, your your results are effort agnostic. It's very important to understand that. And, and a lot of people get bent out of shape about this. But whether you worked 100 hours or you worked 1 hours for the money that you get paid, you get paid the same amount of money. So if I solve your problem and you pay me $1000 to solve that problem and I solved it in a second or it took me a lifetime to solve it, it's still the same $1000. When you do get rewarded, Nobody cares at the bank how much effort it took to get that money. So results are effort agnostic. Whether you put a lot of effort in or a little effort in, if you get the result, you get the result. If you stayed up all night to figure out the answer to two times two equals four, or if you knew it instantly, the answer is still four. So in business, that's often how it works. People hate this. It's a tough deal for some people because they feel like it should be, you know, inputs should equal outputs, but it doesn't and it never will. So results are effort agnostic. And so we want to play where we can get the biggest effort for the least amount of energy expended to get that effort. Now, obviously, I have to say this because some people forget it. We do this ethically. We do this legally. We do this morally. So we're operating under the ethic, moral and legal limitations that are subscribed to us. But within those parameters, results are effort agnostic. Also, what's powerful about this question is your business should serve you, not vice versa. Um, People forget about that. In their um, search for independence, they start a business and they become more dependent than anybody else you know. They're a slave to their business. The business is your view. You shouldn't serve the business. So you don't want to work 80 hours a week. I mean, maybe you do. You shouldn't want to, though. I mean, I would feel pity for somebody who has to work 80 hours a week because they don't have anything else in their life that would fill a hole for them. There are other things in life besides your business that I think are important and should have time allotted to those things as well. I know controversial take for some people. Uh, but nonetheless, there you go. There's my hot take on that. So your business should serve you. So we want to be as efficient as possible. So our business can serve us, and so we can do other things in our life other than just be in busyness all day. Okay. Uh what I also love about this question is it's applicable to any industry. It's applicable on a macro level and it's applicable on a micro level as well. So industries uh industry, field of business. Business to business, business to consumer, it doesn't seem to matter. We can get that granular and the question still applies. So it applies on a macro level, applies on a macro and micro level, I should say. And then lastly, it's anti-procrastination. So oftentimes, why do people procrastinate? Because the sense of the, o- the overwhelm involved with doing the thing is too scary. So the thing doesn't get done. But if you remove that overwhelm and you break it down to simplicity, automaticity occurs. It's not even a question of should I do it or shouldn't I do it. You just do it in those instances. Once you have the answer to that and it becomes as natural as breathing to act on it, that's not all the reasons, but some of the major reasons why the question is so uh, so powerful. And again, the question I posit to you is how can I put forth the least effort and take the least risk to get the most exponential result? So there's a lot of things where you could put forth the same effort and have three outputs occur simultaneously as opposed to one input, one output. So where can you do one thing and get multiple outputs simultaneously? Now you're starting to think exponentially. Simple versus compound. So what I've always done in my marketing campaigns that has worked really well is everybody's fighting over the, the customer's attention. And what I discovered is almost all of them say the same thing, but they use slightly different words. So they key in on the same benefits. They address the same objections. They make the same claims. Um, structurally even, and how they communicate is very similar. And I always say, man, if these people haven't bought yet, but they keep listening, it seems like they're interested, but they still haven't bought yet. What aren't they hearing that if they did hear it, it would cause them to buy? And that's where a lot of my material comes from. When I create the marketing, what are they not hearing that they should be hearing? or that they, they really need to hear that they haven't heard yet. So what's really cool about that is they get them close to buying, the competition does, and we take them through the finish line. The joke I always give is, you know, how much money do you make on a sale that's 99% close? And the answer is $0. So a lot of people get them almost closed, and we look for the opportunities to come in and close. And that's a way where you can put in a very little amount of effort, the right type of effort, and get an exponential result, especially for the effort uh, put in. Concrete versus abstract. So some quick techniques that I'm going to run through as some applications here is I always say, let's change the rules. So when I'm looking at a new industry or I'm looking at a new opportunity, the very first thing I say is, how would everybody else typically do it in this position? I define the the rules of the game and then I say, what rules can we violate? Again, being ethical, being legal. What rules are there that shouldn't be there? Oftentimes in any industry that reaches maturity and even immature industries, it doesn't really matter. There's a layer of bureaucracy that always finds its way into activities where things are done just because they're done that way and nobody questions why. So change the rules. So when I got really started in webinars... The, the belief at that time in the industry was you couldn't tell people you were selling up front on those webinars, that you first had to like do all this other stuff and then tell them you were selling at the end. Like, aha, I got you. Now buy this thing. I would start webinars saying, listen, I got two things I'm going to do here today. The first is I'm going to teach you this. And the second thing is I'm going to try to sell you that. And then I would expand on that. I'd say, well, here's the deal though. If I don't actually fulfill on teaching you blank then please don't buy this product that I'm going to share at the end with you. However, if I do fulfill on this big promise to teach you blank, then I want you to absolutely be open to the idea of buying this product that I'm going to put in front of you at the end. Do you have a deal? Are you cool with that? And you would be amazed at the number of people I'd get more buy-in in in the first 30 seconds of my webinar saying, hell yeah, you got a good product and you can do this over here for me first. Let's go. So what, what are industry norms and what are commonly accepted beliefs that don't actually hold their weight, that we can violate gleefully and get a better result. Another technique is to change the language. This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, Once upon a time in 2010, we launched the biggest website tool practically on the internet for WordPress, Uh, Oh my God, that thing sold like wildfire. We didn't necessarily create anything new per se. Um, There were tools that backed up WordPress blogs back then, but just look at the nomenclature of that, blogs. So entrepreneurs weren't too interested in blogging. Um, The other thing is no entrepreneur is interested in backing up anything. Backing up is boring. It doesn't make money directly as an activity. An entrepreneur wants to create things. And so we said clone WordPress sites not backup WordPress blogs. And then we showed them ways in which they could proliferate content on sites for money-making websites. And we taught them five different ways to do that. We changed the name of it in terms of the language that was commonly used. Uh, One of my favorite examples is P90X has this whole concept of muscle confusions. Like if you just confuse your muscles to say, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then they get big, right? Like there's no real basis to that, but it creates a mental picture Based on that language that differentiates them and it gets attention. Now, ideally, you don't want to invent fictitious language. Uh, you know, like Apple calls it the Retina display. That's just a really good naming concept. Um, but if you can create language that is more conducive to that audience and how they understand the world, you're going to do better than trying to force them to understand the the language that you're putting out there. So we're looking at how can we say the same thing with different words, words that are more resonant, or at the very least that stick out from anybody else that are more accurate in what this thing's capabilities are. Uh, another, Another way to get an exponential result is to create a blue ocean. And oftentimes, this goes hand in hand with with language. So we used to be super successful at teaching people how to start an Amazon business. And we went after the usual e- uh, suspects, the e-commerce folks, the people that were building digital businesses online that were looking to expand their opportunities and understood the digital landscape. And we started going to anybody and saying, listen, we got this offer. It's working really good. People are getting good results with it. And it's converting really high. Can we try it out on your audience? So I would start those webinars off and I would say, Listen, would you ever go into a market where you could only buy and never sell? And they'd say, No. I say, Are you sure about that? And they say, No, of course not. I say, Well, why not? They say, Well, you idiot, if we can never sell it, we'll never turn a profit. And I say, okay, okay, that makes sense. Now, who here shops on Amazon? And everybody'd say, I shop on Amazon. And I'd say, Oh, interesting. Because over half the products sold on Amazon come from third party sellers, people like you and me. And if you're only buying on Amazon and you're not selling on Amazon, hmm. Maybe we should consider a different option. And they say, okay, tell me more. And then you'd break it down. And so when an option trader could understand it in investment parlance, and they could evaluate it from that lens and that perspective, they became very open to it as trying it on as well. It's just a different way to get a rate of return.